Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 278 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast on my movie loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Good people, it's Oscar time again. It might seem like the last awards just happens because they sort of did, and that movies this year were a little harder to see. Because they were! But it's that moment on the calendar again where we take stock of a year gone by, hand out little gold stars, and in case you're new here, um, and if you are new here, hey, welcome, the matinee cast seldom gives much thought over who wins and who doesn't win an Oscar more than it does the list of nominees themselves, because it creates this interesting tapestry of a year in the life. But of course, when standing back and looking at the tapestry, we cannot keep our thoughts to ourselves. Nay, we need a guest. And only one guest will do. A woman who is steeped in Oscar lore, a woman who knows her fastbenders from her fastbenders, and can even tell you the value of both. Often imitated, never duplicated, direct from Los Angeles, California, Mariah E. Gates is here. How are you, Mariah? You know what? I'm really good. Um, I do have to, because I'm an honest, like honest Abe here. I've actually never seen a fastbender film because I'm overwhelmed by how many films he made, and I don't know where to start or. Even if I did start, there's like 50 movies, and it's like I will never watch enough to feel right about it. I was so but I do proud know, of that. But I do I was know so the difference. Proud of that intro. <laughs> I love that intro. I just I have to be honest. All I can't. Right. Someone might go on the letterbox and be like, "She's never watched a Fastbender. Oh, What's up man. with that?" So. One of these one of these days, we'll do a whole <laughs> podcast dedicated to Fastbender just because we haven't it's, seen them. If Criterion Channel ever somehow manages to do like an overarching every single Fastbender all in one thing, I will literally spend a whole month just doing that. A quick note off the top of the show. You might notice that the music leading in and out of the VX is a little different. Um, They are the score from the five films up for best original score. So you're going to hear some Hans Zimmer, some Johnny Greenwood. And we are going to spend our time talking about the nominees in the big eight categories, the screenplays, the acting, directing, and picture. Across these 45 slots, we see 18 films represented. It's again, it's it's kind of rallying around a few titles, as often happens. Uh, I, Mariah, have seen 12 of these 18. How did you how did you shake down? 13, I think. Oh, you did. Okay, so we're about we're about at the same place. And I think as we talked yeah. we talked about before the show started, there's some that I've probably seen that you haven't, and I know there's ones you've seen that I haven't. So uh, we'll we'll probably cover all the bases. I don't think there's going to be too many where we're both collectively shrugging. I hope I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make for a great show. And so we're going to take some breaks along the way, but we are going to start with the writers, and I want to start with best original screenplay. Because this doesn't feel like a great year for this category. We have Belfast by Kenneth Branagh, Don't Look Up by Adam McKay, King Richard by Zach Balin, Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Worst Person in the World by Eskel Vogt and Joachim Trier. Let's start with The Worst Person in the World. I, I was not impressed. I think in my review, I wrote that the screenplay is the worst aspect of the film. <laughs> I posted a bunch about it because I was retweeting mostly negative reviews. Richard Brody is a much better writer than I am. Shout out to Richard Brody. He wrote a very similar review to mine, but because he's been writing for decades, um, was able to say what I was trying to say much more succinctly. But essentially, I, I think it's a movie that is propped up by two really great performances and a really bland screenplay. Mm. I've only seen three of the five on here, but... Mm. All three of them I didn't particularly care for, and oh. I do think all three of them 
it's the screenplay that doesn't work. There's so many better movies, more interesting yeah. movies, more complex screenplays that could have been in this category. It's it's rough. Yeah, it's it's a weird year for original screenplay. I mean, sometimes original screenplay is just a bloodbath, and and it's it's funny because screenplay over the last several years has been a place where Oscar likes to reward filmmakers. It kind of likes to use it as a third slot. Or like best picture best director it's like okay you you made a really really good movie but there's this other movie or movies that are like above you but here's this one place where we know we can give you the cookie so you know like i'm thinking about get out as a for instance you know like it didn't really have the legs for yeah. best picture or best director but it's like screenplay we can totally give it screenplay this doesn't seem like that year i haven't seen the worst person in the world yet i am actually quite anxious to see it i haven't seen any yokum trier so this would actually be my introduction I've seen- I'd seen one other and I, I did not care for it at all. Um, and I wasn't actually going to see this, but um, my significant other was watching a bunch of films for the critic group that he's in mm-hmm. for voting and I was visiting. And so this was on the list and I was like, I guess I'll watch it. And we were both like, that's it. And then <laughs> I got, I got tagged to, to review it for a website and that I write for. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it again. This was like two months later. So many other people had seen it by then. And there was still this overwhelming, you know, love for it. And I was like, okay, maybe I missed something. Maybe if I watch the second time, like it'll reveal itself to me. That happens sometimes, yeah. right? No, all, all the second watch did was make me see what it was that I thought didn't work. And really it is the screenplay gotcha. <laughs> for me. It's just, it's so underbaked. Well, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> the performance, the performance of the lead actress in particular is is like resplendent. And I think, I think a lot of people are reacting to that. We're going to put a pin in licorice pizza. Cause that's going to come up a little bit later. And I feel like we can talk about it a little bit deeper then, but good work, Paul Thomas Anderson on getting more nominations. You're going to get a statue eventually. I don't know if it's, this is going to be the one Zach Balin is nominated for King Richard. Did you see King Richard? That's one of the I, ones I did not I, see. I did. I saw it because it was on HBO Max and I have it. And I was like, I guess I'll watch it. And I do. <laughs> That's a good trend already. So we're I off to like, a baller start. I know. I do like Will Smith. I think he's charming. I don't know that his performance works. We'll get to that later. And I, I think the movie spends maybe too much time on him, which I get it's his story, but I found them so much more interesting and the actresses that played the younger version of the girls so much more interesting that I was like, I just wish it was a different movie. So I guess my, my critique isn't that great because I'm, I, I had trouble critiquing what the movie was because I felt what it could have been was, would have been so much more interesting. Well, that said, I do think that he does a good job of distilling a very complicated man and a very complicated history down couple hour movie mm-hmm. um it could have been a miniseries maybe it would have been more interesting if it was a miniseries because there is a, a lot more with the girls that i would have liked to have seen yeah adam <laughs> mckay is back with don't look up i guess oscar has decided that they absolutely love adam mckay he is now three for three over his last bunch of movies that's, that's crazy to me i don't, I, don't I i mean i haven't seen it yet i have heard nothing but bad things i feel like he writes movies that make people who know just enough to feel smart, but not enough to know that actually this isn't very smart. I mean, his movies feel <laughs> very written. 
very like they are the most written movie him and him and sorkin i feel like they have a competition as to yeah. who can create the most written movie and we'll come back to sorkin in a few minutes i i saw i saw some tweet somewhere that described adam mckay's recent pivot to being like that drunk frat guy who's taken a poli sci class and now stands by the keg <laughs> like spewing everything he read in in class that week yeah without yeah. but like parroting it not actually having no. any kind of insight and i feel like that's a i feel like it was a really good distillation of his his style of writing he's such a head scratcher for me because i mean i like on on a certain level i enjoyed the big short but i i kind of want him to evolve a little bit like that was a great step away from all of his kooky stuff that he used to do i felt like that was the beginning of something and i felt like that may have been the apex of something it's like adam mckay's last three movies is he's he is joel mccray before he gets stuck in the chain gang and watches a movie with people laughing and realizes that actually comedy is the answer we'll see how he does with this <laughs> hbo series that he that that cost him his friendship with will ferrell i really yeah this i mean <laughs> if it if, cost if, him his best friend this I better like be that's... like a classic and then we've got kenneth branagh and belfast this movie if i'm placing bets right now and we'll come back to this later but if i'm placing bets right now this is going to be the one that wins the award i know it's semi-autobiographical um i wonder if it's better on the page than it is in execution because i know that a lot of my qualms with it were that it's not really that handsome that every that every tactic like every tool in the in the toolbox was used in just such an obvious way but i wonder if on the page it's going to be a little bit different plus oscar's going to want to award brenna i think this is like his eighth different category or something yeah he's tied a record i didn't see it because i think kenneth brown is a hack i have seen many of his films and like way more than my two film and i'm out rule Mm. and and I'm actually afraid to revisit the two early Shakespeare ones because I loved them so much when I was younger and much stupider. And I'm I'm unsure if they hold up. Um, I'm Keep talking Henry. Keep those Henry the, in amber. Don't do it. Henry V and uh, Much Ado. I'm afraid to rewatch them. Um, although I don't know, it's hard to mess up Shakespeare. Shakespeare is so good. There's an episode of the show on it. I was not a fan. I'm, I'm, you know, there, there's a lot about that movie that I'm like primed to like Irish movie, black and white movie, you know, set in the seventies. These are, these are checking a lot of the boxes. It so. also, you know, this is not the right category, but it also like he collaborated with, um, Van Morrison, knowing Van Morrison's stance on a lot of things that are yeah. really, yeah, not great that. and there's, that that's, didn't that's, that didn't sit well with me no. over in best adapted here is where we have the bloodbath we have power of the dog by jane campion based on the novel by thomas savage the lost daughter by maggie gyllenhaal based on the novel by elena ferrante or elena ferrante dune by uh john uh spates and denny villeneuve and eric roth based on the novel by frank herbert drive my car by okay how do you pronounce this Ray- i think it's Ryusuke? Yeah, Ryuzuki Hamaguchi. Uh, and uh, Takamasa Oye, based on the short story by Haruki Murakami. And then finally, Coda by Sean Hedder, based on the film by Victoria Bedos. Uh, let's go to the back to the bottom. Power of the Dog. There's a whole podcast where we talk about this, and we're going to be talking about this movie yeah. a lot. Um, it rules. That's all you need to know. Yeah. this if this If this category wasn't such a bloodbath, I would say that this one is a gimme. It's, it's actually a really, really competitive category. 
and a category that seems like rife for a surprise. But Jane Campion um, did an incredible job adapting this novel. Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, wow. We talked about this on the last full episode. Uh, this movie is incredible. This movie rewards rewatch. Uh, this is another movie where there's so much nuance where she mined the source material and just elevated it. Um, I got to imagine you dig this movie. Yeah, I absolutely loved this movie. It was the last film I reviewed last year and um, couldn't have gone out on a higher note okay. for, for just beautiful cinema. And and I think Hall being a mother herself really brings in a lot of her own mm-hmm. um, feelings as a, as a mother and, and it's just, I'm not a mom, but I felt like I went through it with all these women. Um, and I just, I loved this movie. So it, yeah. those, those characters were so beautifully written. Um, and I think that's how you got such gorgeous performances too. Definitely. Uh, we've got Dune. We'll come back to Dune later because we're going to come up against it uh, again in Best Picture. So we might as well wait for that. Drive My Car, I think, was one of the ones that a lot of people were surprised had such a big morning. Um, this movie, have you seen this one? Yes. Oh yeah. I saw Drive My Car. It's good. Um, this mo- yeah, this movie is incredible. Um, this was, we've talked on this show before about uh, campaigning. And this was a movie that kind of managed to do its damage on Oscar morning, despite a very, very minor campaign by Janus. It's low key. It's quiet. It's long at, at every turn like in direction, in performance, and certainly in writing, this movie's a flex. Yeah, and and I, I do think its inclusion and the worst person in the world's inclusion are very reflective of the um, way that they open the aperture to international um, mm-hmm. membership. Mm-hmm. And and I think, unfortunately, we're still not really seeing it in the performance nominations that much, which is a bummer. But I, I think you're seeing international films in more categories than just international uh, best international feature because of that and and a movie like drive my car should absolutely be in there um considering that it was based on a short story and it's a three hour long movie yeah. uh that's a heck of a that's a heck of a flex as you said <laughs> to, to to take that and expand it so wonderfully and uh, anyone who hasn't seen it and they're terrified because it's three hours it is the swiftest three hour movie you will ever watch oh yeah um i i saw it in a theater and um it was over and I was like, wait a minute, what? It's very powerfully written. Yeah. Oscar went out and said that this year was, I think they said it was one of their highest voter turnouts in terms of nominations that came back. And they have taken a lot of steps over the last several years to kind of shuffle the voting body and have it be more reflective of the times. This is where you're seeing some of the new blood having their say when you see stuff like this showing up and you're right. Like, I hope we see it a little bit more in performances in the year ahead, uh, years ahead. And we can kind of get back to like sixties and seventies where international performances were much yeah, more common. More Liv Ullman. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we are still just one year removed from, uh, from Minari getting uh, the supporting actress. So I'm hoping that that'll start to become a little bit more common. Um, the last one on the list is Coda. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I loved the heck out of that movie. I loved it. I loved her previous movie, um, Tallulah. It had some great performances in it. No one saw it. It was it's on Netflix. Um, it's one of the early Netflix movies. Um, but Coda is beautiful, and these characters are lovely. and And Sean really took this idea of a movie and transported it to her own experience growing up in um, a fishing village and. Mm. And really 
made it her own. And, and I think it shows in the care that she took to create something expressive um, from her own experience that isn't deaf, but also being um, really mindful of the actual deaf experience and, and collaborating um, both as a writer and as a director with her cast and her crew. I've seen Tallulah. I was, sorry. I was, I was like, wait a minute. That, 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 I thought that, maybe you had. Yeah. That, I was like, that title seems familiar. I've totally seen it's, Tallulah. That movie it's fantastic. a good one. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those screenplays. This screenplay very easily could have been a Hallmark movie. You know, if you miss the, if you miss the tone on this kind of movie, it gets syrupy real bloody quick. And yeah, yeah her, her approach to not seem um, patronizing, to find the balance of the humor and the restlessness, you yeah. know, like the, the main character is so clearly just ready to move on and do something else and just bearing this burden. But at the same time, she's just too wired to be that person for her family. And she just can't take that step. It's like all of this needs to be treated with a great degree of care. And Sean finds that, um, just so very like she finds it in her in her direction for sure, but she finds it so well in her script too. Um, I was really happy to see Coda get some traction because it kind of felt like it was one of those movies that was a Sundance darling that just wouldn't make it. Yeah, especially, yeah, especially and Apple, this year when it was so long ago. Like Apple kind of kind of dropped it in August, and everyone was like, "Wait a minute, what?" It's it's a good movie. I'm happy it found its legs. It was a long walk, like from. Sundance 21 yeah. you know not as long not as long as four good days <laughs> that's a good point that was a that was a Sundance 2020 movie oh my goodness <laughs> well we're gonna take a very short break and come back with the actors right after this um come come uh, come join us Okay, so it's time to talk about the actors and ladies first, as the old saying goes. And Best Supporting Actress, we have Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, and yeah. Anjanu Ellis in King Richard. Um, you've seen King Richard, so we may as well start there. She um, absolutely eats Will Smith alive <laughs> multiple times. Awesome. There, I think people are split on Will Smith's performance. I'm on the camp that I don't think what he was doing works but i do think that what she was doing works unfortunately i think that again this is where the screenplay kind of fails her i think that aspects of what she's given to do fall into very maudlin supportive wife cliches which is unfortunate okay however she is such a good actress she manages to mostly transcend the like tripe and 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 really adds something lovely to this performance and something really deep and powerful to who this woman was and how much she cared for her, her daughters. Um, and it wasn't just all Richard doing everything. She absolutely earned this. Good use of tripe. Um, I like that word. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. I, uh, so, I mean, 
Um, I'll, I'll have more to say after I see it. I guess the one thing I take away from a nomination like this is I just kind of hope it gets her more attention and better work. That is one of the reasons why I am always interested more in the nominations and the awards, because getting nominated for one of these kinds of things, it can change the entire trajectory of a career. And if you don't believe me, you know, like look at some of these names and they are people who were nominated at a, at a different point in their career and everything they got later, you know, took a very, very hard turn. Like we've got a James Bond villain here who was nominated for a very small Spanish movie that he did. So we, we've got somebody who we're going to talk about in supporting actor who was just a jobber for his entire career and then got the kind of performance of a lifetime dropped into his lap. And now he's getting all kinds of stuff. This is, you know, we're going to be talking about Anjanu Ellis uh, maybe not as a brand going forward, but she's going to be a much more recognizable name. Kirsten Dunst, um, we ah. love this. This the it, it Kirsten been... Dunst came out of the womb acting circles around everybody else, and she's been doing it since Interview with the Vampire, Little Women, One Two Punch, nineteen ninety four, and the fact that this is her first Oscar nomination is like should be a war crime. It's ridiculous. She has never given a bad performance. She's consistently been um you know uh, brave in the kind of roles she takes she she just is like a viscerally intellectually raw performer and the fact that that it took 28 years for her to get an oscar nomination i will like i was this was the there were like two things i was looking for on oscar morning and it was kirsten dunn's name and Lunana, a yak in the classroom, because people are memeing that movie, but it's a beautiful film. It's in the international category. Um, those were the two. I was like, if those aren't there, I'm throwing the <laughs> computer away. I, I really am. Um, she's just so good in this movie. And to think that it wasn't, that it was a role that was kind of on the sideline of the book, even though it's a key, mm-hmm. key element of, of the, the tension and, and what happens in, in the film, um, that, that, Campion was able to make it into something so much more um, strong and so much more complex. And then Kirsten comes in and just literally destroys it. Her career has been this, this beautiful path um, that she has followed. Um, I mean, if nothing else, I'm always just in awe of, I'm kind of, you know, the more time goes on and the more I understand the reality of Hollywood, I'm always in awe of the juvenile actors that can hold on to <laughs> make it through. Yeah. Oh my dear God. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. We're, we're, we're pulling for you. Judy Dench is back um, in Belfast. She, I, her, I could also skip ahead and lump Kieran Hines into this. And I might as well. The two of them are the very, very, very best part of Belfast. They almost make the movie worth seeing. Um, they're, scenes, their relationship, their chemistry, they're both consummate pros, so it is no surprise. Um but but Judy Dench, um welcome back. Judy Dench got Ruth Nega's spot. Yes. I'm I mean, gonna she say did. that. Yeah she did. She absolutely did. There's no way that Judy Dench needed another Oscar nomination. She's good in this movie, but she's not Ruth Nega. It's, per- it's both preposterous. Yeah. And I saw this really depressing stat yesterday where because both Ruth Nega and um, Jennifer Hudson were, were, they were sort of in the running, but yeah. neither of them got nominated. Right. There are still no black women who have been nominated 
uh, twice other than, I think it's Viola and um, Octavia Spencer. I mean, it's yeah. usually in the sporting actress car- category. There's, yeah. I can't, what are there? There's probably a dozen black women who have been nominated for sporting actress once. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, but they're continually including good. performances that are lead, but they actually that put them put in sporting. In, yes. It's like you stand a better chance here. She does really well. She is, the, she's one of the best parts of the movie, but that's not exactly a ringing endorsement. Um, you know, her character's name is granny. So make of that what you will. Ariana mm-hmm. Bose in West Side Story, her absolute trajectory over the last few years has kind it's of been great to, great to see. see that Anita is such a good role. Oh, yeah. That both the women who've played her on film have gotten Oscar nominations. Yeah. Like, it, Anita's the best thing in West Side Story. I actually haven't seen this West Side Story. Well, gonna, I, I didn't, I didn't go in theaters. It's, uh, it's, it's hitting Disney Plus pretty it's soon. It's coming. Um, it's coming. I'll watch it when it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. But, um, I am excited just from a, a representation standpoint that um, she's, I believe, the first out queer woman of color to be nominated for oh, an Oscar wow. in a performing role, which is bizarre to me. And I'm sure there were probably um, some closeted women who weren't out for various reasons. But the fact that like she has is openly queer is is i think a nice thing to see anita is a role that win that wins a, a really good campaign could get her to win we haven't the, the, most of these categories are kind of wide open um which mm-hmm. is one of the interesting things about this year is there's not a whole lot that's really locked up and nailed down and that's refreshing um so i know you know maybe we could see her holding a trophy and giving a speech that will oh Oh, the third woman. I'm sorry, this is going to bug me. It was Whoopi Goldberg got nominated uh, twice as yes, well. So it's just yes. Wh- Octavia Spencer, Whoopi Goldberg, Viola Davis, the only black women to be nominated more than once. Wow. Jesse Buckley, one of the big surprises of the morning for The Lost Daughter. I was happy as hell to see this because, yeah. wow, her part in The Last Daughter. We'll talk about uh, Olivia in a minute because Olivia's a force of nature, as I said on that show. But mm-hmm. Jesse Buckley's performance takes that whole story and gives it this extra muscle that it otherwise would not have had. Yeah, I think I think it's maybe one of the best dual performances where they feel so in sync since Love and Mercy, where John Cusack and Paul mm, Dano both played. Nice pull. Um, yeah, where they both played Brian Wilson, and you can see how the young version became the old version and vice versa. And I, I think they're so wonderfully in sync. And I also just think Jesse Buckley has done nothing but knock it out of the park for like oh, yeah. five years. So it's, yeah. it's, this is like three films late. If I were the one doing the Oscar nominations, she would be a four time nominee for beast, uh, wild rose. And I'm thinking of many things and this would be her fourth nomination. I'm just hoping this is that, this is that nomination that starts to get her those, those more glamorous parts because you and I know her as a brand, but I want the rest of the world to know her yeah. as a brand and get some, but everyone go back and watch beast. Yes. Fantastic movie. Definitely. No, no one's seen it. Over in supporting actor, we have Kieran Hines in Belfast. We have Troy Kotzer in Coda. Jesse Plemons, another surprise of the morning for The Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos. And Cody Smith-McPhee in The Power of the Dog. Let's talk about the two Power of the Dog boys together. This is Cody Smith-McPhee's to lose. I think he's probably got the strongest really? okay. chance. He's, right. he's won the most um, critic awards. Now, obviously, the critic awards and the Oscar voting body aren't exactly the same. But he's so creepy in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like singular performances where I can't really imagine anyone else even doing this. He has to work for the rest of the movie to work. That said... I am 
I was very delighted. I squealed when I saw Jesse Plemons listed, partly because it means his and her nominations yes. for him and Kiki, and they're adorable together. And um, partly because I, I thought that people were sort of dismissive of his performance in this as, as too passive or too understated. And he really is the most understated in the movie. Often those understated performances are the ones that go unrewarded. But you need that anchor for the, again, for the rest of it to work. You need his strength for Rose to work. You need his sort of subtle shirking of of his brother for the, the angst that his brother has to work. And I, I do love that all four of them got nominated because it really is this four-hander where all their different relationships sort of in not as showy, but kind of in that um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf kind of dynamic where they're all kind of, in this case, Cody Smith-McPhee is um, Sandy Duncan, where they're all kind of playing off of each other and the dynamics are all coming into focus differently depending on who they're engaging with. And you kind of need all four of them nominated because they're it's a four-hander so i read somewhere it might have been on the film sandy dennis oh my god sandy dennis (laughs) (laughs) not sandy duncan (laughs) it might have i might have read this on the i believe i read this on the film experience but jesse plemons nomination is kind of the real um torch on the top of power of the dog because it wasn't like you know people like you and i loved it but it was it's still a netflix movie that's trying to get its teeth into into the award bodies and things can go unrewarded very very easily you would have seen something for cumberbatch and you probably would have seen something for kirsten dunst and even campion still you know like i was kind of holding my breath i'm like just just do this it's the right thing just please do this yeah. you're way late on this anyway and this is kind of gift wrapped to you but there's always this chance that just the, the cards don't fall the right way jesse plemons nomination is the, the the kind of indicator that all the cards are falling the right way. And this is a very, very good thing for the momentum of this movie going into Oscar night. Uh, JK Simmons is here for being the Ricardos. Did you see being the Ricardos? No, I actively did not see it because when Robert saw it, he told me that there were multiple digs at Judy holiday. And I thought oh, yeah. any movie, any movie that's going to throw Judy holiday under the bus does not get my time. <laughs> even if it's on Amazon prime, everybody I know, who loves old Hollywood yeah. thinks this movie is trash. Literally, I have got I have been texted by so many people who are like, "Did you watch it yet? Are you mad?" And I was like, "I don't want to watch it because I know it's going to make me mad, right. and I'm going to throw things." Yeah. And so, and I love Nicole Kidman. I really hate when I have to dislike a Nicole Kidman project because she's fantastic. J.K. Simmons as William Frawley. Um, I mean, he he's he's fine. He's, he's, he's good. Uh, he's done better stuff. He, he, mm-hmm. I mean, Jackie Simmons at this point in his career just shows up and he, everything gets better. Um, so his, his involvement as William Frawley, um, is good. Um, his co-star who plays Vivian Vance is actually a lot better. That's but, what everyone said. Oh my God. She's, the- she's given some, she's given something so much more complicated to do. Um, but, that's what but everyone that's, said, and I'm like, out. ugh, yeah. Um, Kieran Hines, I mentioned before, um, with Judy Dench, is just glorious in Belfast. Kieran Hines himself is just glorious in everything he does. He's, he's my least favorite, Mister Rochester, or not my <laughs> least favorite, but he's in the bottom, right, bottom half of Mister Rochester's for right. me. So that's I'm always like, hmm. But 
I do appreciate that you have taught me how to say his name correctly. So, because oh. I've been saying it wrong in my head this whole time. My Celtic roots like, are good for something. For like 20 years, I've been saying it wrong. Yeah. So. <laughs> wait, until, wait until later and I will spell Siobhan. And then we have, Oh my God, yes. Yeah. That's the hardest. That's it's the hardest. It's brutal, right? No. And then uh, Troy Kotzer in Coda. This, again, mm-hmm. was another one of those ones that everybody was hoping for that we all just kind of collectively held our breath. I actually interviewed him um, for, I interviewed uh, the whole cast and Sean about this movie uh, when it came out. And he just basically said that he found that theater was the one place where he could act and be deaf Mm. and that he would do TV and film when it felt like he could maybe find a role that didn't feel patronizing and right. his, his wife was on, um, I'm forgetting what show it was, but his wife who's also deaf was on, um, I think the first like mainstream TV show to have a deaf supporting full-time cast member. I'm forgetting what show it is, but, um, they just sort of supported each other off and on. She mostly did, um, work on TV and he did work in theater. And then when Sean was going to cast this film and she knew she wanted to hire from the deaf community, she went with Marley and was like, what are you, you know, what are we thinking? And she started going to the, the, there's a pass, I think it's like the Pasadena deaf theater or something like that. And both Troy and the boy who plays the, the brother were, were theater members. And so she saw her shot, saw the two of them in a bunch of shows and was like, okay, this is who I want. Troy's been here, right? He's been doing the work, but it took, it took Sean as a director taking the step of actually looking at who is the deaf talent out here? Not necessarily who's the deaf talent that's been in film because film has been discriminatory, but who's, who, who are the actors? Where yeah. are the actors? Yeah. And she took that step and, and found somebody who kind of was on the outskirts of film and TV, but was well known, very well known in deaf theater and, and gave him this, this, this big shot. And obviously it worked. And um, he's so funny in this movie. Some of the best jokes in this movie are, are him. He's very warm. In this movie, I love that the movie uh, gives him the space to kind of run this gamut of emotions. Like it's not, this Mm -hmm. is again, this is a movie that in the wrong hands could have been very syrupy and it could have fallen this very clear trajectory. And I think about him in this movie and I think about him in, there's a whole scene where they go to her concert and he's putting a lot into his performance in terms of not just going there and loving everything that he's seeing and just being, you know, the, the, the dad that finally gets to see what his daughter does and falls for it full, you know, he's, he, he gets to embrace the uh, awkwardness of Mm -hmm. the scene, you know, and he does it in a way that seems very natural that if you were just, if you just happen to be in that new England high school gym he's the kind of guy you would see he's that dad who doesn't go to these kinds of things and is just really happy to be there to support his daughter but there's this extra level with this particular family and it's and it's it's such a beautiful mark to hit it's not the kind of thing you see in film all the time so seeing him do this in this movie i'm just so glad he got rewarded in best actress we have five performances in movies that did not make it to Best Picture, uh, which is interesting because we are going down the road of the performance um, instead of just piggybacking off the picture. And I'm a fan of this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. We have Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. We have Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. with Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers. Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos. And Kristen Stewart 
in Spencer. Chastain. Ah, uh, yeah. Seemed so like the one I, that wasn't quite going to get there, Jessica Chastain. Yeah, and, and she, you know, she had that two two years where she was doing really well. She yeah. was in everything yeah. in 2011, and then she had the follow-up with uh, Zero Dark Thirty, and then she just kind of floundered for 10 years, trying desperately trying to get another Oscar nomination and never quite making it, always being close. She came really close, I feel like, with um, that one she did with uh, Oscar Isaac, where they're like gangsters. We, I a did, most I don't violent the, year. I, a most violent year. Oh my year. God, she she's, came, in, she's amazing she came, in that movie. She came close, I feel yeah. like, with that movie. I don't think The Eyes of Tammy Faye is a good movie, nope. per se. Nope. But I, I, I really liked what it was trying to do. It captured kind of the grift really, really well. She captured aspects of Tammy Faye's nature, because I, I think her husband was the grifter, and there's a a bit of grift in her, but there's a bit of like truly wanting to do good work. And I think Chastain balances the like heart of this character of this person who gets really pulled astray by this terrible man while also not letting her completely off the hook. She is somebody who loves her clothes yeah. and, and does believe in that idea that um, a lot of these mega churches have that the prosperity comes from their purity, right? Um, she sort of deluded herself a little bit. And I think Chastain walks that line really, really well. She got to the core of this woman. Like we are, we're having a, not fast enough and not big enough, but we're having this moment of conscience where the collective and by the collective, I really mean, you know, the people who were judgy, um, read men. There were a lot of women that we threw under the bus and a lot of women that we pillared um, unfairly. Now, don't get me wrong. Tammy Faye Baker is not a saint and, and was at the very least complicit in some misdoing. But it still takes a lot of work to get that kind of a person and make them sympathetic. And yeah. this is where Jessica Chastain like really gets into the core of it because she makes Tammy Faye, she makes her sympathetic um, and she makes her very sweet. Good work on, on everybody involved to get this one over the goal line and get her back to being nominated again. She finds something in there. She has a kernel of, of truth in there without completely, like I said, taking her, you know, deifying her and and she finds she finds both she finds that balance and and i think a lesser um performer would have leaned completely into the circus Mm -hmm. and not been able to to really mine that that truth in there yeah penelope cruz parallel mothers have you seen the almodovar oh of course i have i have seen every (laughs) almodovar um she's my pick i would i'm kind of torn between her and coleman but we'll get to coleman yeah but penelope cruz is doing some of the best work of her life in this movie. And it's, it's a stunning layered performance that goes all over the place in true Maldivar style. It is part melodrama, very political. Um, most of his films are. Like, say, so, so it's an Almodovar movie. Okay. Yeah. Most of his films are, 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 are political, but she, she, she really finds like a ferocity in the mm-hmm. politics of this character while also being completely melodramatic with the like plot. You've seen enough from all the rest to know that most of his plots are like, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and the thing that's great about Cruz when she's in his movies is she, she totally sells all of it. She just uh, never feels like Penelope Cruz. She always feels like a character. She always feels like a real person 
doing her real stuff. And um, I just love her so much in this movie. She was Volver, right? Yes. Yeah, she so, was nominated for Volver. She didn't win for Volver. No, but she should have. So this one, if, if she were to win for this, I would say that this was this was overdue for Volver because I love her. I mean, she's fantastic she, she, and, she and, and Almodovar speak the same language. They have always worked so well together. And in a way, this character um, and the film itself is a reflection of the very first partnership they did together in Live, Live Flesh. Really? Um, I'm not sure if you've seen that film or not, but not all the way through. Her, her, her character at the beginning um, and what she represents at the beginning of that movie is sort of reflected even deeper in her character in okay. this. This is one that I have to catch up with Parallel Mothers. Um, you know, I, I watch every Amadomar movie, so this was just a matter of time. It's- it's so good. Uh, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos. This is some really good campaigning, number one. Number <laughs> yeah. two, I love Nicole Kidman. The woman can work. The woman has done some amazing stuff and will continue to do some amazing stuff. What she does in this movie is really interesting, but it's a cheat. So they know that playing Lucy is going to be really hard for just about anybody. And I know that there's all kinds of people out there who can do a good Lucy, but at the end of the day, you're playing one of the most iconic women in Hollywood ever. And if you, and if you miss, it's just going to seem like a cartoon. So what the script does in this movie is it cheats it and it doesn't have her playing Lucy pretty much at all. There's, there's one or two moments where they're live, but the rest of the time, it's all behind the scenes stuff where you're watching Lucille Ball work and Lucille Ball go through all of this stuff. So by that cheat, first of all, the movie actually gets more interesting because if it was just her playing Lucy, it would not be interesting at all. Seeing her play Lucille Ball and work through all this behind the scenes stuff is actually way more interesting, but it's still a cheat. So Nicole Kidman gets there because the whole script cheats the hard part. Tammy Faye nominated is facing the hard part square in the eye. Yeah. Lucy getting nominated is because you decided to step to the right and get around the part that would have been a lot harder. So good work, Amazon. You've, you've got a good PR team and welcome back, Nicole Kidman. Uh, Kristen Stewart seems to have been building to this for several years. She yeah. doesn't really need this because she just seems to be happy making her wonderful little indie movies with people like Asayas. But every every single Twilight fan feels validated. Yeah, so, I mean, well, I, I've said this know. before on this show. What I love about this woman is she took the money she made in those early movies and she just says, I am now forever and ever only going to do what interests me. And yeah. whether it's stuff like this or it's stuff like Happiest Season or it's stuff like Charlie's Angels, she is only doing what interests her. And in Spencer, she's acting her ass off. As she always I does. think I think she is fantastic in this movie. I think she understands that this isn't necessarily a biopic. This is a fever dream. Yeah. And she leans very highly into that. That said, I watched a documentary at Sundance called The Princess. Mm-hmm. It's all archival footage of mostly newscast reports about Diana. You watch it now and you're like, this is how they talked about people back then. Like it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely horrifying. But there was so much footage of Diana as she was in front of the cameras that it really, really highlighted how deeply Stuart understood who Diana was when she was in front of the cameras. Truly. Um, A lot of people said she missed the mark on this. And I think maybe they're thinking about all the other 
performances as Diana, and it's a very different performance from the other, art, you know, takes on Diana that we've seen in the last five years or yeah. so. But if you watch that documentary and then you watch this, you're like, holy shit. Like, how much footage of Diana did Kristen Stewart watch? I feel like she must have spent a whole month just watching footage because she has it pat. And then she adds, so she's got that, right? But then she adds a whole other internal layer to the performance on top of getting the mannerisms down and the way she holds her body down and the cadence of her voice down. It's stunning. And and that little spark that she has, which is a little playful, like, feisty spark, it's so good. How did this movie not get costume? The costume, the cinematography, the art direction, I don't know. I don't know. Very interesting. It's, no, it's I'm- nuts. I'm a fan. Such a beautiful um, film. She makes movies these days. I go. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy that she got this because she has deserved this several times over now. I'm happy she got this just because of her career trajectory and, and being another one of these actors that the system very easily could have eaten up and spit back out because it was yeah. really ready to for a moment there. And I feel like if anybody was to understand even a glimmer of what Diana Spencer went through. It's Kristen Stewart. So yes. good work getting, uh, getting yes. that one over the goal line. And then there's Olivia Coleman. Um, if you told me five years ago that we would have been staring down the barrel of saying two-time Oscar winner Olivia Coleman, I would have said, you're dreaming. Uh, I am very happy to see that that seems to be where all these arrows are pointing because I really love seeing when hardworking performers you know, have their moment in the sun. Yeah, and and what's so like remarkable about Coleman is every every performance feels like it's the first time you've seen her mm-hmm. because she doesn't repeat anything. She doesn't. There isn't an Olivia Coleman mannerism. You know the way like Sandra Bullock. I, I remember this uh, anecdote that Sandra Bullock, when she was in um, in Love and War, she told the director to not let her do any of her like Sandyisms, which backfired, and the movie's terrible. Sandra Bullock, for the longest time, you knew what you were getting when you watched the Sandra Bullock performance. And to some extent, Nicole Kidman, you you know what you're going to get. You're going to get Nicole Kidman's take on whatever the role is. With Coleman, it's like similar to Cruz, I think. Every time they're on the, they've got a new character, it's a new character. Yeah. And you don't see any repetition of of things they've done before. Um, and there's there's one scene that Coleman has in this the way that she is talking about, she loves the way that her children aren't like her because she knows she thinks that that's the stuff that didn't come from her. Yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't have to feel bad about it. And, um, and, but the way that she talks about those children, the line delivery is so unexpected. I had to like watch it again. Cause I'm like, what did she just, what? cause an, a, an inferior actress would have been so treacly and so overly melodramatic in the way that she's talking about these kids. And she just, how you expect those lines to be delivered, she just goes the other way. Yeah. And yet it works perfectly. It's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant performance. The, the whole movie is this character. Like there is not a single thing that happens that is not either happening to Lita or from her point of view. Her performance is just laced with regret and joy and frustration and impatience. And just she does so many things from moment to moment to moment. And does it so economically, and the world is just waking up to how talented she is. I, I adore the favorite. I absolutely adore the favorite. It's one of my favorite movies of the last ten years. Um, but what she's doing there is just so big, right? <laughs> seeing something like this and seeing the range and seeing what she can do. I've I said it before. This movie's a flex. 
she is she is an absolute force in this movie and it's just so good to see that like this whole performance and this whole campaign seems to be spinning towards an ultimate win and you know we've gone from her just being this british jobber who was like on panel shows and doing you know the background parts in in things like iron lady and edgar wright movies pops up randomly in yeah. black books. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. To being potentially two-time Oscar winner Olivia Colman. Um yeah. I adore it. Um and if you and, you know, one of those things that if I ever need a smile, I just watch her Oscar speech from from the favorite. Uh and if anybody hasn't seen it, I'll put it in the show notes. For the boys, we have Javier Bardem in being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield in Tick Tick Boom, Will Smith in King Richard and Denzel Washington in the tragedy of Macbeth. So let's finish the thought with being the Ricardos. Javier Bardem. It, it, it is another his and her Oscar nomination moment, which I do think is cute. Yeah. That said, Harvey, a Spaniard playing a Cuban in 2021 is just Sorkin's answer for why he cast a Spaniard <laughs> as a Cuban just shows how little he talks to people outside his bubble. Correct. It's really, it's really frustrating. I don't care how good of an actor Javier Bardem is. We are past that, and there are plenty of great Cuban actors. Again, having seen this movie, and to a certain extent, having enjoyed things about this movie. It is not a good movie, but it it does some interesting things. And it still has the Aaron Sorkin problem of being the most movie javier bardem is not playing desi arnaz he is playing javier bardem like he has been around enough now that i know what he sounds like i know what his mannerisms are i know like the little sounds that he makes he is doing the same thing that he did in skyfall he's doing the javier bardem thing and it's like you are again playing one of the most iconic people in hollywood history if you miss we are going to know and while his physical presence is magnificent in this movie. He didn't even try. He didn't even try yeah. to land the voice. And sorry, it makes a difference because I know what Desi Arnaz sounds like because I watched reruns. Not even Ricky Ricardo. Like, you know, if you don't want to do Ricky Ricardo, cool, because this movie gets away from that, but you gotta do Desi Arnaz and he doesn't. Oh well. Yeah. I also don't buy Javier Bardem as like a big band leader the way that Desi Arnaz was either well, there's that he doesn't have that charisma yeah. like he the movie doesn't go there very often i think there's two scenes where he's singing um i mean the the movie ends with cuban pete so there's that mm. um but um yeah the, the same sort of thing as as skirting lucy for for nicole kidman by not having them play the characters by having them play the whole behind the scenes thing it's a pretty cool cheat the movie just decides to avoid the hard part, but even still he misses. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is acting his ass off of the power of the dog. I kind of think he's the front runner. Is this his second or third nomination at this point? I think people have um, left behind the idea that he's a TV actor um, fully embraced that he is a star in that, you know, he's, he can do the Marvel stuff and he can do something as psychologically complex as this character. Um, I think he's he's terrifying in this movie at yeah. times, but you but you don't completely hate him, which is a hard thing to do. Yeah, um, it's a great performance, and and I I do think that that this is his to lose. There's a few people in that we've mentioned where it's really only a matter of time. He's one of those 
actors where it's really only a matter of time before they're holding a trophy. And if this is his win, it's a worthy win. Um, I prefer when the worthy win comes up as opposed to it being like a lifetime achievement type award later on. It's like, oh, it's your turn. I don't really feel like it's his turn. I feel like he did earn this. We talked about him at length on that show. There'll be a link for that show in the show notes. Um, and when I mean that show, I mean the the episode of the Matt Daycast where we talked about the power of the dog at length. Andrew Garfield is here for Tick, Tick, Boom. I am so happy to see this. I was a little bit bummed that Tick, Tick, Boom didn't quite get a little bit more momentum on Oscar morning. Uh, it was it was a really hard year for musicals because there were just so bloody many of them. I was I was not a fan of this. No, movie. no. Why are you gonna do I, I that? Think, Why are you gonna be that way? Because it's it's not great. <laughs> I do think he is good in it, and I yeah. think he was cast well. Yeah. I, a movie with that many people of color, and you make them all washed out and terrible, is is a little sus. And and I I That's love fair. MJ Rodriguez, and she looks terrible in this movie. How do you make her look terrible? Yeah. That's that's not great, but that is not the fault of Andrew Garfield. No. Um, as a film, I think it is poorly made. As a story, I really don't know why we should care. But as a performance, based on <laughs> what he was given, I think Andrew Garfield is very good. And um, I would put it really high on the list of his performances. I think his two nominations are both in movies that aren't, like, he, he is the only reason the movie is worth watching oh, shots fired. um yes shots fired <laughs> and i've watched most of his movies i wrote a piece on him and i watched a lot of movies and i that is my assessment but um of those two perform those two films <laughs> in particular but i think that um he is good enough and proven now that he has like a massive range in terms of what he's able to do with his specific frenetic screen presence that i think a movie will come along that is the one that he should win for. It's just, I I don't think it's this one. What I love most about the story of him being cast in Tick, Tick, Boom is he went and did a reading uh, for Lin-Manuel Miranda to get this part as Jonathan Larson. And in, during the course of the reading, um, you know, Lin must have seen something in him. And he asked him, because it's a requirement for this role, he asked him, do you sing? To which Andrew Garfield said, no, but give me the part and I will. And yeah. he got there. And and he and his his singing, I think, is is as good as you're gonna get from somebody who spent six months learning how to sing right beforehand. But I, I again think that um, there are parts of the way that he sings that fit really well with who this character is. Yeah. Yeah. He's the composer. Um, that I he's think not, if you like, I mean he's not the yeah, that I, he's I, the composer, I think if so you it had, should be a yeah, little if you, I think if you had an overly um, skilled Broadway singer yeah. in this role, it would have felt that kind of musical that I, I don't care for. Yeah. Will Smith is back for King Richard. Will Smith is a fascinating story because this is only his third nomination. It's his third nomination. And I, I almost forgot about Ali for a moment, but Will Smith is one of these stories of uh, a, an actor who really held tight, tight, tight control over his brand. Like this guy is in like the Tom Cruise circle of what he chooses and what he personifies on film. He only makes a certain kind of movies and only if it will further his brand over the last 10 years, at least 
15 years, it's been this kind of movie. It's been stuff like King Richard and Seven Pounds and what's what's kind of Pursuit unfortunate of with the occasional like Hancock thrown in. What's unfortunate for him as an actor is he's somebody who continually has to prove that he's good, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. And the three nominations that he's gotten are all for playing biographical roles. Yeah. And and I do think that that says something about what kind of black performers get nominated. Yeah. Um, because he's he's perfectly great in several films where he's playing original characters. Yeah. And those are the ones that get ignored. Yeah. But then if he plays, like, how are you not going to nominate Will Smith as Ali? And he was great in Ali. Yeah. When, whenever he like moves from that path um and he did it a lot more earlier in his career oh yeah his early you career see, you know like uh was it um six degrees of separation yeah. he's so good in six degrees of separation totally. but but i think he found that the only way to really thrive in this system that didn't want him to thrive was to do the kind of roles like bagger vance and things like that that like well, that was what he was offered and unfortunately i think king richard falls into some of those tropes and and he falls into some of his worst habits as an actor and he's somebody who can be so much better yeah and he really isn't in this movie and it's it it's hard to watch especially considering like like i said um ingenue like just eats the floor with him the two girls are more interesting to watch yeah um it's it's weird but at the same time if the only way to really get this made was to have will smith attached that's that also says something I don't even have the words for because these are the two most famous like athletes practically on the globe right now. And the, it took, well, you know, a star like Will Smith attached to it to get a movie made about them. That's in and of itself problematic. But yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington is back. I, have you seen the trade? I feel oh, terrible I, that I, I haven't was seen at, the because okay. it's on my TV. I was at the world premiere press screening. There was the world premiere like gala screening at new york film fest but right. i was actually at the actual world premiere press screening right um at new york film fest denzel was there uh francis was there it was fantastic I, a couple of stats before i get into sure. the performance uh i saw a few people uh tweeting about how he's now the most nominated black actor mm-hmm. with nine acting nominations wow. but what i think is even more interesting is he's now tied for fourth most nominated overall hmm. with with Spencer Tracy, Paul Newman, Al Pacino. Obviously, Spencer Tracy, Paul Newman are dead. So this leaves Denzel Washington, Al Pacino to come for uh, Lawrence Olivier and Jack Nicholson. I absolutely think Denzel Washington will at least tie with Olivier because Olivier is at 10. Oh, he's got at least one more in him. He's got at least one more in him. But, you know, for all we know, he's got four or five more in him, oh, in totally. which case yeah. he'll, be, he'll be up there. Yeah with Streep and Hepburn for most nominated period. It's it's great to point out that he's the most nominated black actor, but the fact that he as a as a as a black actor still in a system where he was only the second to ever win best actor 40 was it 40 years after Poitier? Yeah. The fact that he with all of that is still one of the most nominated actors period. Phenomenal because he's had to he's had to really be like, no, I'm just the best period and i've i've gotten in a lot of fights on twitter where people are like i think um dana day lewis a lot of fights on twitter is the whole thing but people are always like dana day lewis is a greater actor and i'm like no he is not and i'll tell you why denzel washington i love him but i have to i have to say this 
I just feel like this is my time. Sure. Firmly believe this. Denzel Washington could do every single performance Daniel Day-Lewis did, except Lincoln, because Lincoln is white, specifically. There's no way Daniel Day-Lewis could do Devil of Blue Dress. He could not do The um, Man on Fire. He could not do any of those action movies where Denzel is so much better than the material and that you can't look away. Like, there's no way Daniel Day-Lewis could do that. Denzel can do both. He can do Shakespeare. He can do elevated comedy. He can do romantic comedy. He can do drama. He can do action movies. He could literally do, you give him a role and he can do it. Yeah. And I don't think Daniel Day-Lewis can do that. Okay. Denzel (laughs) is doing what I want Will Smith to be doing. That's yes. like that. Like you, you've actually, well, just, part, I think no, part of that you, just is, you've spelled I think it part out. of that you've, is that Denzel is a theater trained actor and Will Smith isn't. So there's, they're coming from no, two but different I mean, places, but, but, but we, yeah. we know Will Smith has talent. Like even if he didn't, you know, like he didn't have the education that somebody like Viola Davis had and that somebody like Denzel Washington has, um, or even somebody like Chadwick Boseman has, but it's like, you know what? Like Will Smith has just been around so much talent for, what 30 years now and the man is like a friggin sponge right like he's all his brain is always going and it's like dude this is what you want to be doing you want to be doing the stuff that is dumb as dirt like man on fire or what was the one with the train um um unstoppable unstoppable you want to be doing you know you want to be doing this silly ass stuff that you just need to make a mortgage payment. But at the same time, you want to go looking for that stuff like Fences and like, you know, Tragedy and Macbeth or like all of these other really interesting parts that Denzel has gotten himself into over the years. Um, you know, and and one of his, and, and his, his, act, his, his award for lead was one of these sillier things. So it's like, you know, just find the meat in it daniel day lewis could not do training day no of okay? course he could he absolutely could not movie. do training day <laughs> um you know what's also interesting about um all of the films that that denzel's been nominated for is most of them there's a few exceptions but most of them he's playing wholly original characters yeah it's weird because and, he usually only I, play, he usually plays soldiers and cops but the second time he's not playing a soldier or a cop, that tends to be when he gets nominated for stuff. He's he's just he's just so good, and he is really excellent in this movie. Um, because they went with two older actors in Denzel and Francis, they they mine the scheming from a completely different psychological place yeah. than most adaptations of Macbeth go for. It's 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 less. Um, you know, like the traditional interpretation is, it's usually from like a very deadly ambition Mm -hmm. place, right? They're coming at it from this sort of different sort of desperation angle that is fascinating. And it, it really, it really adds a whole other layer, I think, to what Macbeth can be about you know i don't uh, spoilers for macbeth but not really um when when the end comes that's all i'm gonna say his reaction is i just i was like he just did that i can't wait i can't wait till you see it i was like i I turned to robert we were watching it together and we were like he just did that we're like he did just do that it was so good it's and i think um was it joel or ethan whichever cohen it was they really let him, him and, and Francis just play. And you see them having so much fun and the freedom 
of, of being able to take these like iconic all time great roles and just two iconic all time great actors just going at it. It's, it's fantastic. I, love and it. I can't wait. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's right there on my TV and that that can be one of the ones I catch up with so quickly. Okay. We are going to take a quick breath here because we've been talking about actors for a little while. Uh, take a break. Come on back after this. We're going to talk about director and picture uh, right after this. We're back. She's Mariah Gates. I'm Ryan McNeil. It's MatineeCast278. We're talking about the Academy Awards nominations for it's the 94th Academy Awards um, that are going to be handed out March the 27th of this year. The nominations are always more interesting than who wins because that's a whole other beast. But we're at the point in the show where we're going to talk about best director. And uh, there's an interesting little cluster of people in this category. We have Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. We have uh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. And Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Let's start with Branagh. Uh, this, I repeat, Bron is a hack. Yeah, this this seemed like a done deal for a while. <laughs> this feels to me, the, all the nominations for Belfast Focus. feels to me like, you know that um, nineteen is it nineteen sixty seven when uh, Doctor Doolittle was nominated yeah. for like a million, yeah. and and you're like, or like Oliver, yeah, it's next to you know in the heat of the night and Midnight Cowboy and all of that, and you have a year where you have like. Teton and Pig and Shiva Baby and some of these really like truly innovative yeah. the Green Knight even truly innovative uses of cinema that push the medium forward and then they nominate Belfast. Did you watch the other movies? Knowing that there's all these movies out there where direct the director is coming from a place unlike anything else. And then you see things like this and you're like, this is where the old guard is still like, I like still there. to yeah. cry. And I like to see kids, you know, get through some things and nostalgia. Yeah. And you're like, dang it. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this, this is the Tom Hooper block is, is voting for this movie. Um, <laughs> yes. This is absolutely. Th- th- that's what this is. And no. I, you know, I, I like, it's the stodgy I old British people. Even even though it is about Ireland, not Brit- Britain. Yeah, I know that. I, I don't think Very different. I don't think it has nearly the legs that it seemed to um, coming out of the fall. Like for a long time, you heard about it talked about as like a front runner. It's still, you know, listen, it's still very well. Maybe it, it's it, it had a very very good showing in the nominations. So it's still very well. Maybe the winner at the end of the night. I don't think it'll be the winner in this category, but um, you know, good good work, everybody at, at Universal and Focus. Take a take a take a day tomorrow. <laughs> Y'all did a great job getting this thing over the goal line and getting Kenneth Branagh this this nomination, which he doesn't really need. But eh, okay, neat. Um, Steven Spielberg is back for West Side Story. Uh, it's a kind of an interesting nomination for him because his career over the last twenty two years has been some really interesting shit. Um, and I, I, I use shit affectionately um Mm -hmm. you know this is a guy who got what he needed to do out of the way and then just start kind of started just making stuff that he found interesting for grown-ups and i'm talking about stuff like munich uh stuff like the post catch me if you can and minority report um you know stuff that was still very much a brand but he was getting away from 
you know, his earlier career where everything seemed to be like, go out there and play the hits. Right. Yeah. Um, so now he comes around to West Side Story. It's the first time he's ever done a musical. Kind of impressive. I know you haven't seen it yet, but it's kind of impressive that he was able to do it as well as he did because there's always that person who's like, I've always wanted to make a period piece. And then they make yeah. it and it's just garbage. Part of the reason I have yet to see West Side Story is like two prong. Prong one, West Side Story, the original film, was my favorite film as a kid. Mm-hmm. I watched that movie. A lot. It is a massive um, Part two, I really hated the trailers for this movie. They looked, the colors looked horrible. Okay. There was like a weird CGI sheen. I saw this trailer before every single movie I saw yeah. for like months. Yeah. And they just looked, everything looked like it had been run through a scanner. And and I just, I don't like that. And the, I mean, we'll get to this with Best Picture. There's another film not made for Best Picture that did the same thing. And I saw the movie and I was like, I knew it was going to look like this yeah. and it still looks like this. And I don't like that. I just, I think I don't want it. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't understand why those cinematographers that have their films look like they've run through the freaking scanner and turned into CGI, but it's technically still human beings yeah i don't know why these get nominated i don't i mean i don't know the crazy thing is it's a good movie um the 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 original one the original one is a masterpiece but still comes with flaw uh of its time of its time um so this movie makes some choices to try to counter those flaws and i think what's most impressive and you'll see like you you can't miss this it's it's not like i'm Mm -hmm. giving something away or, or something that you would like a subtlety. Um, this movie decides to make some choices that still remain true to the original property um, and to its staging as time has gone on, um, but differ it. So it didn't just take it everything and just transplant it into 2021 filmmaking parlance. Okay. It, it really goes out there and it's like, all right, we are going to revive this. When Broadway revives, they change some shit. So yeah. that's what we're going to do. So that's, I think, if anything, that's what he's being re- awarded for. He doesn't need this nomination. You're right. There are other people who really could have used this slot and Kenneth Branagh's slot. Um, but, you know, welcome back, Steven Spielberg. Um, you know, I mean, listen, we're getting to the point where I don't know how many more Steven Spielberg movies are really left. That's that's true. So, Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. This was like, I love that the director's branch are starting to throw these bombs. It, it feels the like mix. the 60s, 70s again. Yeah. Where they're 60s, 70s, you would have, even to some extent, the 80s. It really wasn't until like the 90s when it became rarer and rarer to see international cinema yeah. re- regarded in the director category. That's usually where they would, they would do it. Yeah. And, um, they're not going nice quite as far off book as they did a couple of years ago when they, when they added in, uh, Pavel Pavelowski for uh, cold war, uh, you know, cause drive my car still has a, a best picture nomination, but um, yeah. very few people saw this one coming. Um, there are some names. All missing. the critics. Oh yeah. All, well, the, all the critics, critics did, on this one though. Coming, a lot of yeah. prognosticators did not. So I am really, really happy. Um, I, I hope he takes this currency think- and does whatever the holy hell he wants to with this. Um, I think anybody who can make a three-hour movie feel not like a three-hour movie absolutely is the best director of the year. (laughs) I would give this award to him just for the conclusion alone. Like The last scene in in this movie is a goddamn masterpiece of filmmaking that I could watch on a loop. 
Um, it is it is absolutely stunning. There are so many beautiful moments in this movie that it's hard to pick just one. But mm-hmm. my God, this man is talented, and I can't wait to see more. So then we've got Jane Campion for Power of the Dog, which I mean, it's it's great that we can now say you know there's a woman who's got two best director nominations on her track record. Uh, please get this ball over the goal line and and you know hand yes. a trophy. I, I I think she should. I think she should win. She should have won for the piano. Um, the problem with no the one piano, could, no one like, could have made. Yeah, the piano. No was one could have made the, the piano. Year. If wrong, the piano, wrong year. If the piano was one year earlier or one year later, it was all you know. It was all great. But 1993 was a, the let's give Steven Spielberg an award, and I'm actually kind of happy that West Side yeah. Story is kind of coming in a little cool because if it was the two of them again. It would have been. I was gonna. Fabulous. I was gonna scream. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna scream. Yeah. I I think I think that Campion should win this not just because the power of this film and the singularity of vision of this film is there on its own mm-hmm. merits yeah. but the power and singularity of campion as and i hate using this word but i'm gonna use it as an auteur whose whose body of work yeah. has never faltered yeah. from her point of view as a person as a woman as a filmmaker it's this is one of those like Sometimes they give an award for a body of work and it's like, oh, did you need to do that? Cough, Scorsese. He won for his least good film. This would be a chance to do that and not give it to them for a lesser than film, but give it to them for a film that not that deserved it. That was it's one the of top. her masterpieces, just like pure, yes. pure and simple. We just spent, yes. you and I just spent, uh, you know, a few weeks rewatching everything all together and I, I, re- I rewatched Jane Campion movies all the time. throughout the year all the time I just she's, showed my she's hand. actually <laughs> she's actually my fa- she's my favorite director um, there there is nobody whose cinema speaks so deeply to me than Campion and part of that is because she is she gets labeled as a misandress a lot she did in the 90s she still does uh i just read a or, or i read a headline for a review i'm not gonna read the review arma white called her a misandress and i'm like jane's back if she's being called a misandress again the thing that i love about jane campion is she's not a misandress no. she just shows men for all their flaws yeah. but she loves men mm-hmm. and you see if you've actually watched all of her movies you'll see that yes the men are terrible and yes she shows that but there's always, almost always, a wonderful man in those movies too, because she can see the good and the bad, and she want all she wants to do is show men in all their complexity, and show women in all their complexity, yeah. and show sex in all its complexity, yeah. and she's not afraid to do that. And I love that about her. And uh, most filmmakers know how to titillate, but they don't know how to actually show if they're if they like to do sex in their movies. They they don't, but they don't like to show the the, the violence inherent yeah. or the the violence that also is accompanied with sweetness. They don't like to show the complexities and she's, she, she shows it all. And I just, I, nobody else could make both in the cut and bright star back to back. I agree. This whole night is a dumpster fire. If if she cannot hold a trophy, I will, I will literally cry. I don't don't doubt it. (laughs) I'll probably cry both way. Actually, if she wins, I'll cry. Paul Thomas Anderson for licorice pizza. Now I can't remember. Sorry. Did you say you saw this or no? Oh yeah, I saw this at the uh, very first public screening in seventy millimeter in Westwood. So I, I saw this my, my friend last night, also in seventy millimeter at the Lightbox. And what do we think of Licorice Pizza? I really don't like okay, it. Okay, we I, are in agreement. Holy crap! Awesome. The thing is, if you if you look, I am a PTA fan. Yeah. I love his movies. The Agreed. only like there, oh, I've never 
disliked a movie of his ever. And I just, I saw this and I was like, what, what are people, it's all his worst habits somehow. And it worked in Inherent Vice. Like the funk, the looseness worked in Inherent Vice. I don't think it works in this movie. I don't think the actors work. I think everything's underdeveloped. It's some of my least favorite ways of looking at Southern California. Usually he's pretty like deft at showing complexity of, of Southern California. And I feel like he turned on like rosy glasses for this. And, but then there's also just like nastiness in this movie that he normally doesn't have that, felt unnecessary and it, you you can have nastiness in a movie if you have something to say about the nastiness yeah. but i don't even think there's anything to say no okay so i went and saw this movie in a theater yesterday and it was my first time in a theater since december and i swear to god if i catch covid from seeing this movie i'm <laughs> so pissed off i'm gonna i'm going to regret my life choices yeah so much yeah, that's um, definitely one that um, it was a really packed screening. I, PTA came out and like introduced it. Like, and I was like, had I, space. I die like, here. Thank you very much, Bell Lightbox, for for allowing was, social distancing. I was crammed, um, absolutely crammed in that yeah, theater. I, I was not mercifully, but this movie it trips towards the nostalgia of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, it, uh, it, you're right. It takes some very strange choices some very very strange choices on just these tertiary beats like not even in the main crux of the plot but you've got this strange little not even the b plot but like the d plot of this guy running his restaurant that has this just terrible choice hanging on it that i don't know why that's there and i just could not there's also the way that he utilizes the the politician played by Benny Safdie. Yeah. I found very, as a way for her character to grow, I found very, um, a, a really non-complex way to look at a very complex character, yeah. a very complex real person who had choices that he made that you look at it now and you're like, wow, that was shitty. But yeah. it was shitty because he was in a shitty situation yeah. and it doesn't, he doesn't give the nuance to that character that he deserves yeah. and instead uses uses um his choices to have some growth for the main character and and i hate it when i think he's a better filmmaker than he that is, he, mean, sh- the, he should be a better filmmaker the crazy than that thing is if this film if he had made this film and maybe he's had this script for this long and maybe i've I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm i'm showing my hand if he had made this film in between boogie nights and magnolia i would say this absolutely tracks everything that he's doing everything that he's saying how he's doing it it absolutely makes sense that it would have been a 1998 movie that he was developing and was just at that point in his career but considering where we've gone since then and considering we've seen him do stuff like the master and uh uh, there will be blood and phantom thread and now he's going back and telling one of these weird wild la stories without really a whole lot to say about any of it to say nothing mm-hmm. of the fact that it's got an like just horribly inappropriate relationship at its core i'm like i don't understand why everybody's losing their mind for this movie the one thing i will give it that i'm happy that i i went and saw it is i got to watch um Elena heim uh do her thing because she is really talented and you know i got to watch the 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 coming out party of cooper hoffman and i look forward to more movies with him because it's just a beautiful thing to see but i i want to see both of them so in something so much better 
I didn't find Alana really that great. No, I, know, like, I didn't not, see like, I'm not like I, I'm not like finding it a tragedy that she's not nominated or anything like that. Like this is as a first role. No, but I don't good. get I don't I don't get why people oh. find her oh. presence book Eileen at all. Yeah. I was just like, and I don't I, I I don't know. I just I didn't get it. It didn't. I don't see anything there. Tripe and beguiling. You are just I no just, so like the, the wordsmith in me is just I, <laughs> I, I I you know what it's 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 been it's been twelve years now, Mariah. I really love you. <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that on Mike. Best picture. Um, okay, so we've got Belfast, and I feel like we've wailed on that movie enough. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Belfast. Yeah, okay, Coda is here. So um, neat job, Apple, uh, getting this one a best picture nominee because, as we said earlier, it was very close to just kind of getting left back in the end of the summer i'm happy to see it here because i feel like maybe it'll get a few more people to see it yeah and it's nice to have another year where you've got two films directed by women in the in the list you mm-hmm. know it's it's not enough there should be more and there are definitely what this was definitely a year where it could have been all films directed by women yeah. and been a great list but um there was like a whole 10 year period where it seemed like there was two or three years in a row where you had two women Film, directed films every year and it was like yay we're getting there and then it was like a desert where it was like now you get one yeah. and so it's nice to see two in here again even um and actually i like both movies so yeah. i got nothing i got nothing but good things to say the, <laughs> one of the challenges that's going to happen in the years to come is getting these movies seen because as we go further and further down the road of platforms um you know like the great equalizer is anybody can go to a movie theater um, as we go further and further down the road of platforms, like w- the reason why a lot of people didn't see Coda see, is that it's only on Apple Plus. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. In 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 that, as someone who grew up in the middle of nowhere, if I was still living in the middle, if I was still living in my hometown, I would be able to see every sing- pretty much every single film nominated for Best Picture. Provided for, you subscribe to the channel. Le- Yes, That's but the, the only co- challenge. Yes, yes, but the cost of the channel for a month, yeah. right, is going to cost the same as one movie ticket. Yeah. But for me in my hometown, that one movie ticket would also include a hundred mile drive and a gas tank. No, no. So agreed. I I actually think that sh- streaming is an equalizer in that geographically more people are able to see these movies. I, I do agree. And money wise, if you actually if you break it down, it is it is cheaper. You just maybe have to can't get a subscription and cancel a subscription or whatever. But or, or I don't know, actually use the subscriptions and yeah. watch watch the other stuff on there. I just um, wish- I, I don't I can't I don't think I can ever agree that that streaming is is it. People, it's like not a hindrance. No, you're who, you're absolutely right. It is not the hindrance that every every doomsayer wants to make it out to be. Absolutely not. You're correct. The kind of art house movies. Uh, that sometimes make it up. Now, obviously, there's half of these are art house, half of them aren't. Those wouldn't half of those wouldn't even have come no. to my to the theater no. that was 100 miles yeah. from my hometown until it got nominated for best picture. Yeah. Whereas now, I, I, theoretically, 16 year old me watched Coda right away. Well, I, I, 16 year old me also could have watched Coda streaming Sundance, but that's another conversation. Um, I, I, and as somebody who has been a proponent of VOD for a long time, because film distribution inherently like deprioritizes films directed by women yeah. and they have often been pushed into the VOD 
landscape and then no one watches them. Right. More and more of those films that used to just be VOD are, are being made by the streamers. And so they are like street, the way that streaming has, has, opened up the aperture for female directors, I, I think hasn't been properly reported. They actually just, uh, Vulture just did an interview with um, Josephine Decker about her new Apple film. And that's one of the things that she sort of talks about because she is a filmmaker who got really sidelined by the way distribution negatively affected women. So that that's my take on that. I, I, I absolutely <laughs> agree. The only place we differ, uh, perhaps differ, is I just want the platforms, like not even right away, but eventually share the ball. You know, if I don't want, I, I don't, don't think, if, if I don't, I don't think they will, but well, I'm it's, certain it's that they won't. Ten, $10 for Netflix and 10, but you get it for a whole month and $10 for Apple, but you get it for a whole month and $10 for um, Prime and you get it for a whole month. How is that any different than spending $15 minimum to see those same four movies and you only get one one bite at that apple. True. That's true. Um, so anyway, if uh, people, if you have the means, see Coda. That's, that's really the ultimate <laughs> takeaway of that. Because um, we both... Streaming agree. debate. <laughs> um, there's Don't Look Up by Adam McKay. Netflix is a bloody powerhouse when it comes to getting their stuff nominated. There is just no two ways about that now. This is emblematic of that. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to see it, but I, I'm really I wish, not looking forward to I it. wish this had been passing... Yeah. Instead, oh, yeah. There's the, or the or the last daughter. Both of those movies are 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 stunning yeah. and yeah deserve the spot. I, I'm not worried about it holding a trophy at the end of the night because it did not get that much momentum. Its nominations are its win. So hope everybody's happy. Drive my car is here, and that I could not be happier about. Yeah, I mostly partly because that means more people will seek it out, yeah. and partly because it makes all those prognosticators that like were bitching that all the critics were like messing up the Oscars because they were putting drive my car as best picture. And they're like, this isn't going to help. It's because it's never going to get the Oscar thing. And it's like, well, don't say never, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Kind of the last thing about drive my car is thank you. Oscar voters for doing the work. You get to see all of this stuff and it's just sent to you. And nowadays it's even easier. Like it's like, you're not even like getting envelopes shoved through your mailbox anymore. Yeah. All the Oscar screeners are on completely online. Yeah. yeah. Now. Um, so. so just, you know, like there's, there's some people who don't watch any of it. Um, there's some people who take the shit real seriously and thank you for taking it seriously because it means something when you see something like drive my car in, in these kind of conversations and the legacy of these kinds of movies and these kinds of categories. So now we finally come back around to Dune. You still haven't seen it yet. I have. I will not be watching That's Dune. Absolutely. So cool. until I get to a point where all of the the best picture nominees that I have been avoiding because I don't want to see them, they'll pile up, and yeah. someday someone will force me to watch them all. So I'm yeah, or or, or you know, but or somebody's going to pay you to write about it. If somebody paid me to fill the gaps, because there aren't very many gaps yeah. in my all all the best picture nominees of all time, um, I would do it. Okay. But until then, you're you're good. Um, so, li listeners, if you have like a thousand dollars and you want me to, my thoughts on Dune, I'll take it. But otherwise, I love it. <laughs> Dune for me just comes with so much baggage, so much baggage. Um, not even counting the absolute calamity raised by Villeneuve fans, who I am growing to hate more and more <laughs> over the years. Like I did not think that anybody could make me hate them more than Christopher Nolan fans. And congratulations, y'all! You're yet. out of the cellar. 
Because it's the people who think that they are like art house Christopher Nolan fans. I mean, listen, basically. and there's nothing worse than no. than a tour bros. And I right? and I say this as a, <laughs> I say that you know I say this proudly as a Canadian. Y'all late. This guy has been making incredible movies for a long, long time. But quote, but, quote, quote unquote, just be- <laughs> long before Hollywood started throwing him money. You're long like like the stuff that he did while he was here in Canada is still so much better than everything he's done in in the system. Like I would mm-hmm. I would put Ensemble and Polytechnique. If people haven't seen Polytechnique, like every time I see a list of Denis Villeneuve films, yeah, you, ranks, you tried to convince me to watch that the last time he had a Best Picture nominee. Yes, so I haven't like, done it. No, no. Um, <laughs> now, if if a listener will pay me to watch Polytechnique, I'll do that yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but only for pay. So that's the thing. Dune still could parlay the, oh, look, Denny got jilted, so let's give him Best Picture, because that's happened in the past, um, into a Best Picture win. But for me, I'm just so tired of it. I just want to get to that, that I just want to get to that sequel so that we can move on, because I have, I'm just so sick of hearing about how you got to see it in a theater, and it's meant to be seen in a theater, and look at you know, this auteur raising the game of, of big budget filmmaking. It, just it really, shut it, up, please. It really like makes me sad that sci-fi is finally kind of being considered great. Real? And it's yeah. like my least favorite guy making it. And I'm like, like I there's so many other like better sci-fi movie. movies. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I, there's I, so many good ones. There are, there's so many incredible ones. And, and don't get me wrong. I want to enjoy this movie, but I just, when it just comes with this much baggage, I can't just please let me enjoy a movie again. King Richard is here. Um, good work on everybody getting this a best picture nomination. And, that you know, really a, a, nom- a nomination for Will Smith for producing, yeah. which I think yeah. is, you know, that's, that's important. He got the movie made. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I wish it was a slightly different movie, yep. but I'm also proud of him. Yep. So me too. What are you going to do? Um, Licorice Pizza is here for reasons. Tri- triple threat Paul Thomas Anderson with his three nominations. Give him a triple. He's now like, at I mean, like I want him, I 10 do, or 11. I do want him to he's win. Never won. Know, he's crazy. never won. It's crazy. He's just always kind of had poor timing. It's ha- like half of the reason why a lot of these uh, filmmakers and actors come up empty is they just, they their moment is just at the same time as a bigger moment. Right, like yeah. there's, there's other times where it's just like flat out a wrong choice, but more often than not, it's like I dare you to take that other award back. So here's a title we haven't talked about yet, and this is one that I have not seen: Nightmare oh, Alley. Got I did not. I did not like this movie. I wrote a review of it. I gave it a very low score. I I, I, I just don't think it works on any level. Yeah, I mean this. this um, and I, I, I went on NPR talking about it. I have. I watched the original. I've seen the original many times. Mm. I I read the book to get prepared. Like I just, I don't think it works as an adaptation. I don't think it works as a standalone. I think it looks ugly. I don't buy any of the performances except kind of Tony Collette, but even she's wasted. Um, there's just it, it aesthetically, it's everything I hate about modern filmmaking. It's so it everything feels like it came out of a computer. I, I, I got nothing because um, I haven't seen it yet. I was surprised yeah. that um, there's so many other movies that should have been in this spot. Oh, totally. I don't yeah, understand. No, I, I, there's 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 all kinds that, that didn't make the cut. That I was just I was surprised that um, Fox was people able to love get Guillermo, and Guillermo oh, is a 
very nice oh, guy. Yeah, he is. He's, he's a very he's one of the nice ones. Um, so it's 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 kind of neat to see his later career kind of making up for his early career where he got he was making way better movies but got like nothing. He's hit a, a mid, middling strive. He's you know, yeah. and but also he's just a really nice oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. If you can and hear that's that paying man, off. if you can hear that man so. talk about anything, do it. Especially if you can hear him yeah. talk about film. Um, so, uh, you know, good work, Fox. Uh, speaking of good work, Fox, you also got West Side Story in for Best Picture. Um, the, the reason why I say good work, Fox, is because there was chatter uh, online this year that when Disney bought Fox, they were basically just scuttling the Fox properties well, to the side. Unfortunately, what they did was they they basically threw Searchlight under the bus. Mm-hmm. And although was Nightmare Alley released under Searchlight banner? Fox, at least. I don't know about Searchlight. I'll keep talking. Well, Searchlight that. is Fox Searchlight. I guess okay, I guess Nightmare Alley it was the like Fox Searchlight movie of the year. But it was, yeah. What was, it's a much higher budget than Searchlight used to be. Searchlight used to be that small little studio within a studio that would bring you like Beasts of Southern Wild and things like that. And, and I do still think the kind of films that Searchlight would either buy at festivals or make in-house is what has been thrown under the bus in the acquisition. That's a bummer. It's also just really eerie to see it not say Fox anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that made me shudder yeah, a little bit. I mean, listen, the whole thing just top to bottom is a strange arrangement. Um, you know, yeah, they're calling West Side Story as 20th century studios, yeah. which like, what does that what even does that mean? mean? And then, and then I'm Alley is just called searchlight now. And it's, it find it creepy as a film film history buff. I'm just like, Ugh. it's it's unfortunate that the the term Fox has become an adjective for something altogether different. That it's got poor connotations, which is really unfortunate. That something that's spent a hundred years building itself up has been ripped to shreds in less than twenty. And then and then they didn't even take all of their Disney money and give us the beautiful early Fox movies to at least watch them on the Disney yeah, no, they're, channel, they're on whatever. They're, like they're, they're give stuff, me yeah. the Ford, give me the Ford and Renault Fox movies yes, in, in 4k yes, on, on, and I will get Disney plus yeah. <laughs> like, and then, uh, and then and finally- Sylvia Sydney. I just got to throw Sylvia Sydney out there. Sylvia Sydney made all those Fox movies that are unavailable. You can't watch them. The mouse has them. Release them. <laughs> I love it. And then power of the dog, which um, we said earlier, it it seems like it's a front. It's, it's it got front it runner. got the twelve nominations. Yeah, it is a front runner at this point. I don't know if it is the front runner. I'm just holding my breath. You know, just, like the, the the match has been lit. The gasoline is on the floor. It it feels in some ways like a re- repetition of the Irishman, where they got the most nominations, and it was somebody's you know Scorsese's power passion project, and and Netflix stepped in and and let him do what he what he does best um and this is kind of what what happened here with campion where like she didn't make a movie for 12 years and she couldn't get any studio interested and then finally you know netflix is like here's the bunny go make this movie and she makes a freaking masterpiece under that and i don't even think this was their big dog on the on the fight originally i think they thought don't look up was going to be the one that was going to get you know 12 nominations yeah. and thankfully during early festival season enough people whispered in their ear no this is your pony yeah that they shifted funds and i think you could see it in the way that they campaigned this movie yeah. they are still um, which was great 
they are still waiting and to raise that banner into the rafters. Like they've they've got they get the nominations. They, yeah, they, they don't they, get, they get the wins. They get a ton of nominations. They can get actors awards. They can get writers awards. They can get directors awards. They have still not been able to lift that trophy at the end of the night. And it's, Lord it's, knows they're trying. Um, it, if this is the one, I will cry oh, because yeah, yeah. Campion deserves, and um, you know, it's just it. They deserve it solely for giving Campion the money, Agreed. frankly, because um, no other studio would do it. And I wish, I hope people see, you know, they, I think some of the hesitance is that like Netflix came and disrupted and, and messed up the whole way that the power structure works in, in Hollywood and distribution. But now like, if you look on here, you have how many of these are did streaming like releases Coda. Don't look up Dune King Richard. Empower the dog. So half yeah. is that half? Yeah. At least half yeah. are are films that that is how they got out in the world. That is how they got seen, except for during festivals. And I I think we're at a place now where that feels like people realize it's a turning point in the industry, and you can't keep punishing the first to do it. Yeah, for doing this to the quote unquote doing this to the industry because they didn't do it to the industry. The industry was already headed that way. They just just rolled that pony first, basically. No, agreed. Um, but but it's also the best movie. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, on top of yeah, all that, it's the best yeah. movie. And in a blind taste test, if you didn't know who <laughs> distributed it, this is still the best movie, and it should win. Um, totally agree. We are going to take one more quick break, and we are just going to talk about some uh, trends and omissions after this, um, and uh, pick our pick our choices and wrap up the show. So come on back. We are not going to waste our time with so-called snubs because shit happens. Still, you know, you, you get, you, you can't get, you ever, if you've ever gotten six people together for dinner and tried to get them to agree on pizza toppings, you know how hard it is to get, what's the voting body now, 5,000? I think it's 9,000 yeah, actually. to agree on anything, really. So yeah. um, what we will talk about is just, just kind of what didn't happen that was just kind of an interesting or surprising um was there anything that jumped out for you N- number one was just passing in general yeah it felt like dolomite all over again and, and any, any anyone who's anyone who's reading between the lines and the subtext of what i'm saying without saying anything gotcha will know what i mean right. by it being like dolomite all over again um but you can find me in the dms if you really want to talk talk about it but um i think that passing is a singular film. I think that it was a hugely personal film for Rebecca Hall. I think she found something really connected in that in that book to her and she did such a phenomenal job of casting it, of creating the world of it, of having a very strong POV for the film, which I don't know other than maybe Drive My Car and Power the Dog. I don't know that the other filmmakers went as deep as having a the direct in the directing category went as deep as having a specific pov for how they crafted their films the two actresses are the best performing performances of the year but i think that both of them do stuff but ruth ruth nega and tessa thompson in particular are doing things that are so particular to a certain experience that isn't necessarily universal 
And I think that often characters and films that aren't universal get left behind. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes a movie like, like Moonlight will be able to be both specific and people can find something universal in it. Even though I don't think the, I don't think Barry Jenkins for a minute was trying to make something universal. I think he was, it just, people were able to understand it a little bit more than I think what the way that passing is even more manicured in the way that it was made. And I think that was a barrier for a lot of people. So that's, that was my kind of my number one, but I I also think Nicolas Cage was completely hosed for pig. I think people must not have seen pig. Because there's no way that you watched Pig and didn't say that is one of the five best performances of the year. It's like, absolutely not. The one thing I got to say to that is over the last several years, Neon uh, Studios has shown some real muscle. Um, You know, like like culminating with the fact that they were able to take Parasite um, to the the trophy. Um, And that continues this year with films like spencer um like the worst person in the world like flea flea which got like yeah. you know uh, for for three three nominations yeah, best international mm-hmm. film best documentary and best animated film like good work neon on getting it there but then you've got these other things that you just seem to kind of i don't know if you couldn't convince enough people or you just gave up i i i but don't even think it was neon i think I think Neon did a great job, Mark. They got Nicolas Cage in for an actor. Yeah. The key is getting in all of those roundtables and getting into all of those bland handing, you know, gala presentations. And they did all of that. Yeah. I, I frankly, for once, don't think that that you don't think it's on the- emission. I don't think that omission is on the studio. Mm-hmm. I think that omission is one hundred percent squarely on people not watching Pig because I saw a lot of voters. I know a lot of voters, and I saw a lot of them come to it really late. Mm-hmm. The ones that I know that did get to it got to it late because Nicolas Cage has this this unfortunate reputation of not trying anymore. Right. Um, and I and I think a lot of people thought that it was going to be another sort of like John Wick or something, and it's not even no. that. It is such a ruminating film and such a soulful performance. Unfortunately, if you've only come to Nicolas Cage in the last 20 years, you might not know he's capable of this because maybe you skipped the first 30 years of his career where he was doing these kind of deep, emotional, complex performances over and over and over while also doing like the occasional rom-com. Like, I, I hope that this doesn't scare Cage away from doing these kinds of things because he's really, really good at it. Like, he does some weird shit. He does some really, really weird shit. And, and he's kind of a weird dude. Um, so I mean, you know, it, yeah. it, it's like that said, even in the re- preposterous movies that aren't worth his, his talent, yeah. he's always oh, yeah, better than yeah, the movie. Yeah. yeah. This is you very, know? very true. There were two surprises for me on, on Oscar morning. One was, I don't know what the holy heck happened with the songs for Encanto aside from maybe all of them canceled each other out. Uh, because the one that did get a nomination is just such the odd choice for every, like there are songs in that movie that legit get stuck in your head. Just quiet little ballad in the middle of it is the one that gets the nomination. And I, the only thing I can think of is all of these other ones just basically like tied for sixth. Um, Mm. That was the one kind of weird thing about Encanto's showing. Encanto will be fine. Encanto's probably going to win best animated film um, and, and may still win the song um but it and then lynn will finally egot 
or maybe he'll stop trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Take a break. Yeah, for, he'll, 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 he'll chill for a little bit. Um, yeah, he needs to rest. He has children to raise. I think the other, the <laughs> other big... That's a joke. Nine, that's a joke. I'm not, I'm not shaming him. Um, <laughs> I think the other big surprise for me of, I mean, this Oscar morning and the, kind of the last year or two as well is... And, and we've talked before about one of the reasons why this may have happened. Um, it really feels like A24 has just given up. Um, well, part of it is they lost their main, they lost their awards person. They Netflix did, but stole their awards person, and they, have, they haven't gotten out there. Who can, they haven't gotten their mojo oh back. Like I don't know. Coming up, completely donut for the Green Knight. Coming up, donut for Come On, Come On. The same, and the and the souvenir part two souvenir is part I two know. Zola. Like they're still making really really interesting movies that I, the second i see that logo i go but like people what is going on over at a24 they, they, they just don't have the they just don't have the strategy anymore they don't. Is, is, i think and 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 maybe less of a budget i think i think because the quality of the films has definitely not declined um it, they've always been a bit hit or miss um, but when they hit, they hit really hard. Yeah. I think I think it's clearly a strategy slash but slash budget issue. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of thing that we'll you know we need like a mole in A twenty four to tell us what's happening. Yeah. Um, or it could potentially also be um, just a complete ethos change in that they don't they were hungry for those awards to establish themselves, and now they're yeah. not maybe as a company, but that they doesn't mean that trophy, the filmmate. Like- but then that doesn't necessarily mean the filmmakers have are less hungry so that there might be tension there. I don't know. So we wrap up every matinee cast where we talk about the Oscar nominees by going over the uh, nominees that we talked about and choosing who we think will win. This is not our own choice of like who we would give it to, but this yeah. is us reading this is pro- the prognosticating. Very, very early tea leaves and things, <laughs> things probably will change because golden Globes seem to affect these even lesser than they already did. And as of recording this, there are no guild awards that have been handed out. So the roadmap of what is ahead, I'm actually excited that there's all yeah. kinds of possibilities. So we will start with original screenplay. We have Belfast. Don't look up King Richard licorice pizza and the worst person in the world. I feel like this might be where PTA finally gets, even though I was not a fan of the film, I think this might be the place where they finally reward him for, you know, 20 years of, of, yeah, of making movies that only he could make. Like, I mean, I didn't like either Belfast or Licorice Pizza, but between the two, I'd rather see PTA up there. Um, I'm Brandon's a hack. I know he is. I'm going to go for the hat trick of saying that. I think they will. (laughs) I think Oscar will give it to Brandon. I I would rather Mm. see Paul Thomas. I'd rather see neither of them to be honest, but between those two, I'd rather see Paul Thomas Anderson, but I think they will go from Belfast adapted screenplay, Coda drive my car, Dune, the lost daughter power of the dog. I am predicting a, a triple crown for Campion. Ooh. I think it's. I think Campion's going to take it. Love this. She, she won for the piano. The screenwriters love love her. I think she's. I think she's got it. I think this is drive my car. You very well mm. may be right, but this is where I would go out on a ledge and say I think this is drive my car. Best supporting actress: Jesse Buckley, Ariana DeBose, Judi Dench, Kirsten Dunst, Ingenue Ellis. It's it's going to be. A, I think a fight between Kirsten Dunst and Ariana DeBose, but I, I just, 
I want Kirsten to win so badly. I'm going to say, I'm just manifesting it by saying she's going to win it. Agreed. Agreed. Best supporting actor, Kieran Hines, uh, Troy Kotzer, Jesse Plemons, JK Simmons. That almost rhymes. Uh, Cody Smith McPhee. I think again, I think, I think it's Cody Smith McPhee. He's, he's, he's clearly the, the critical fave. Um, I guess we'll see with the guilds and everything, but he's just, He's just so singular in this movie. We said singular a lot, but it's the right word. It's the right word. Um, um, I don't. I can't imagine anybody doing what he's doing in this movie. Yeah, and I mean, like four out of these five guys are acting their asses off. Sorry, J.K., you always act your ass off. And 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 time. they do love they do love rewarding a good sinister performance. Oh, they do. They do. Best actress: Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman, Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kidman, Kristen Stewart. So part of me is afraid. That like the name recognition is going to give it to Kidman. Oh man, which would hurt. Um, but frankly, I can't decide between Coleman, Cruz, and Stewart. I think I think they're kind of neck and neck, both in terms of what they're doing with these roles and in terms of how they're loved in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, in the fact that the awards have just been all over the place, I I don't know that any one of them is st- stronger than the other so i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna say they're gonna tie except they're not but i can't choose i i truly i truly have nothing i would love a three-way tie that would be fantastic everybody wins yeah um yeah. i'll go with coleman just because that seems to be the way things are trending uh the lost daughter got a lot of love um and this is the place to really reward that movie uh mm-hmm. best actor javier bardem benedict cumberbatch andrew garfield will smith denzel washington so as much as it pains me to not say Denzel Washington because he is my fave, um, I do think that Cumberbatch comes in here. I, I, I'm predicting now will this happen? I don't know, but I'm also trying to manifest this. I'm predicting a power of the dog, like sweep gut act screenplay actor, sporting actor, sporting actress, director, picture, a picture. That's just what I want. And this is what I'm manifesting. I would love it. Um, so <laughs> it's what she deserves. It's what they all deserve. You know what? So I'm going to call a surprise in this one. I'll, I'll choose Denzel on your behalf. I, I feel like okay. this is one of those moments where they're like, this guy's been killing it for a while. We're overdue to hand him another trophy. This is where we give it to him. So um, I, I think that may be what happens here. We'll know more with the guilds. Best director, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Hamaguchi, Paul Thomas Anderson, Jane Campion, Steven Spielberg. We're both in agreement here. It's It's got to be Campion. If it's not, it'll be like Best Actor last year where everyone's just like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Please don't, That'll be, it'll please feel don't like put a this real, award last. It'll feel, it'll feel like a real fumble yeah. if, if and, and not on Campion's behalf no. or Netflix's behalf, but on the Academy's behalf. Yeah. yeah. You had one job. Um, you had literally one job. And, and you gotta do best it. Best picture, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story. I'm going Power of the Dog. I want I, I think it'll sweep. I, I believe it'll sweep. And you know I believe what? the best I believe in this the movie. The best thing is that if and when it does, a lot of people will come to it because it's right there in their TV on their Netflix, and they will see something absolutely incredible. Like it's one of those things where it sort of seems like a done deal in some respects just because of the momentum it has. Now, listen, momentum can absolutely positively shift. Um, we've seen it happen a lot of times in between nomination morning and Oscar night. 
but the momentum right now is with it. And if that is what happens, it's like, you know what? It's a really damn good movie. And it's so absolutely deserving of all of this love and all and, of this momentum. And I think Campion is is really well respected. Yeah. The thing that's so wonderful about Power of the Dog is it is as weird and complex as any other movie she's ever made. Mm-hmm. It just seems, it's like deceptively more accessible. Yeah. Because you can watch it on 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 an accessible level if that's what you want. Yeah. But you can also watch it, it reward, on a really weird it twisted level. Study. It rewards rewatch. Yeah. It rewards, you know, the pa- it certainly rewards the patient. But it but it's also accessible for people who only just want to watch a movie. Yep. To be entertained and swept up. Yep. Like it does both. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we yeah. will find out in uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, you know, we may be wrong. We often are. Um, and it, again, it doesn't really matter because it's the class that matters. For all the patches on this tapestry that are correct, for all the patches on the tapestry that aren't woven in, um, it is what it is. And uh, it will be an interesting thing to revisit in the years ahead. And that is episode 278 of the Matinee Cast. Um, I, I'm so damn grateful every time that Mariah comes by um, and I'd like to thank her uh, for dropping by again. Uh, Come on back on uh, Monday, February 28th for episode 279. I think we're going to be discussing Kimmy, the new Steven Soderbergh movie. That's the like, the like Soderbergh joint that just like, whoops, we're here. Yeah, Yeah, I think, I think (laughs) so. Mariah writes (laughs) all over the damn place. And for the love of God, please read her work because you will be so much better for it. Um, What do you got coming up that people can look for? Um, I just wrote a review of Josephine Decker's new film, this guy is everywhere. Um, it's a beautiful film. Uh, oh, marry me! The Jennifer Lopez rom com. Oh, yeah. J Lo's back. Rom coms are back. Who directed that? Cat Coiro. Okay. She. I'm like the only person who's seen all of Cat Coiro's movies. <laughs> but for those of you who watch TV, she directed the pilots of uh, Florida Girls and uh, Girls Five Ever. Is it Girls Five Ever? Oh, I love that everyone show. loved. Yeah. So she's she's definitely someone who people know her work if they don't know her name. Gotcha. Um. I wish that it had a different male lead. I don't think the actor, the How dare Owen you? Wilson is charming enough. I don't think he's charming he enough for the role. a national treasure. And I'm not even American. <laughs> okay. But JLo's fantastic. And she's, she's at the top of her game. She's performing. She's acting. She's charming. She's funny. Um, it's a lovely film. So, I have, so I have an interview with the director and an interview with the director of Tall Girls who all dropping as well. So if you watch the movies and then you want more. I wrote about all three of them. There will be links in the show notes as they come available. Uh, And if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Uh, I am old films flicker on Twitter and Instagram and letterboxd and all over the The place. Branding is Um, strong with Miss Gates and and Tumblr. I'm one of the last standing (laughs) Tumblr users. I will be on Tumblr until they unplug it. (laughs) So (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. My site is thematinee.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can find them all over the place. Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google, Stitcher Radio, Apple, TuneIn, Radio Public, CastBox, Podchaser. If I did not mention a platform, please tell me. I'll put it there. It's real easy. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on any of the Oscar nominations that we talked about or your own thoughts on the Oscar nominations can be left in the comments section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca. On Twitter, I am matinee underscore CA. My branding is not nearly as good. Um, <laughs> and there's always Facebook, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, Miss Gates? Oh, actually, no. Last thing I want everyone yeah. to watch, because this will be coming the week after this drops, okay. I'm pretty sure, is Strawberry Mansion. It came, it was Sundance last year. Um, it is the weirdest, wildest, low-budge, 
but not micro budge, just low budge, kind of DIY, fever dream of a movie. There are like anthropomorphic uh, mice and other oddities and it's one of those movies that you watch it and you kind of think maybe you know where it's going and you have no idea and you will never see anything else like it and it's just delightful and it's dropping on the 18th in theaters and then I think it hits VOD a week or two after that. Sold. It was my favorite thing I saw at Sundance last year. It's currently my number one film for this year because it's wide releases this year so love it i um, look forward to seeing it yeah for, so good for mariah i am ryan we will see you at the matinee and on oscar night